Hi, and welcome to the Social Transgressions Podcast. I'm your actually autistic host, Lindy. Now, I don't know about the actually autistic listeners of the podcast, but I at least get a lot of comments saying that I'm so high-functioning for an autistic person, or that I've come so far, or that I'm doing so well. And while those statements do minimize the struggles I currently have, they also ignore all the struggles that I've had in my past, where someone would look at me and notice that I was visibly autistic. Now, when I say visibly autistic, you know, autism doesn't have one look. But generally, if you see a child who's crying a lot and flapping their hands a lot and not engaging in social contact with other people, you most likely will make the assumption that they could be autistic. So that's what I mean when I say visibly autistic. And since I'm using the term to refer to myself, I'm not too concerned about using the most politically correct language. One of the goals when I entered early intervention was told to my parents as follows. By the time I was about 12 years old, it wouldn't be noticeable to anyone outside of our family that I was ever diagnosed as autistic. And while I have various thoughts about the idea of making an autistic kid indistinguishable as their peers and painting that picture as a positive, another layer of this conundrum is that myself and a lot of people my age don't have any recent form of documentation of their autism. So when I hear people tell me phrases like, you're so high functioning, or wow, I would have never known you're autistic. I wonder to myself, if I went into a psychologist as I present to the world now, would they think I'm autistic? Would I receive the same diagnosis I did as when I presented as autistic at two years old? I've wondered to myself if it's worth it to get reevaluated because I am 25 and next year I will be off my parents' insurance. But I've also considered how much it would hurt me if a professional were to say that they don't consider me to be autistic as that's what I've known about myself my entire life. And I think about what exactly will I need official documentation for that I can't get by just telling somebody about my identity. And another question to consider, if autism is a developmental disability that never goes away, something that you can't grow out of, Why do many people consider my documentation from when I was two to no longer be valid? So while I don't really have access to just walk right into a psychologist and say, can you help me determine if I'm autistic, I am going to walk you through myself taking the autism spectrum quotient test. Now, I haven't taken this test before. I really haven't had a reason to because I've always known that I'm autistic, but I've heard that it's problematic in many ways, and we will discuss how it's problematic or how it's good or how it's bad 
while we are taking the test together. And this will be my first time taking the test too. I'm kind of excited, also kind of nervous for it to tell me that I'm not autistic enough. And as a warning, if you hear background noise of planes going by, it's because of where I live. And if you hear background noise of my computer doing a whooshing sound, it's because my laptop is also very temperature sensitive, much like I am. The description under the Autism Spectrum Quotient heading says, Psychologist Simon Baron-Cohen and his colleagues at Cambridge's Autism Research Center have created the Autism Spectrum Quotient, or AQ, as a measure of the extent of autistic traits in adults. In the first major trial using the test, the average score in the control group was 16.4. 80% of those diagnosed with autism or a related disorder scored 32 or higher. The test is not a means for making a diagnosis, however, and many who score above 32 and even meet the diagnostic criteria for mild autism or Asperger's report no difficulty functioning in their everyday lives. All right, let's start this thing. It's supposed to be about 50 statements, and I'm supposed to say whether I definitely agree, slightly agree, slightly disagree, or definitely disagree. One, I prefer to do things with others rather than on my own. Uh, definitely disagree. Two, I prefer to do things the same way over and over again. Well... I think that if you do the same things the same way over and over again, and it gets the same results, and you want to get the same results, then that's good. But if you don't want to get the same results, then you would obviously try to do it a different way. So I guess I would say slightly agree. Statement three. If I try to imagine something, I find it very easy to create a picture in my mind. Well, usually when I'm trying to imagine something, it's because someone else is telling me what the thing is, or I'm reading a description of it, and then I'm not getting all the details, or I'm not seeing the person's perspective entirely. So I would say slightly disagree. Four, I frequently get so strongly absorbed in one thing that I lose sight of other things. Definitely agree. Five, I often notice small sounds when others do not. I'd say definitely agree on that one. Do you know that electricity has a sound? Other people don't hear it, but when I know that electronics are on in the room, I can hear it. It makes a buzzing sound. Number six, I usually notice car number plates or similar strings of information. Well, I really like seeing where cars are from, especially if they have out-of-state plates. So, yeah, definitely agree. Statement 7. Other people frequently tell me that what I've said is impolite, even though I think it is polite. If that ain't the story of my life, I don't know what is. Oh man, that reminds me of this one time when I was trying to ask my friend who had recently graduated about the job market, and literally the question just came out as, hey Christopher, is anyone hiring or are they just not hiring you? Which I mean is a valid question, but I'm so lucky he didn't take it as me insulting him, because a lot of people would. <laughs> 
Number eight, when I'm reading a story, I can easily imagine what the characters might look like. Well, it depends on how well they're described. So I know that when The Hunger Games came out, everyone was apparently so shocked that Rue was black instead of a cute little blonde white girl. But literally it said in the book that she was dark skinned. So I don't really mess up details like that, but I don't really get pictures in my head while I'm reading books, I guess. So I gotta say slightly disagree. Number nine, I am fascinated by dates. Well, I'm not fascinated by dates. I'm fascinated by patterns, but not the dates themselves. So I'd say slightly disagree. Number 10, in a social group, I can easily keep track of several different people's conversations. Uh, no, definitely disagree. Number 11, I find social situations easy. Well, this statement lacks a lot of context because I find social situations with neurotypical people to be really hard, but social situations, while they're not completely easy with autistic people, I find them a lot easier. But I guess I'll still say definitely disagree. Number 12, I tend to notice details that others do not definitely agree. 13. I would rather go to a library than a party. Well, is it a geography party? Because I'd probably go to that, and I'd probably go to my own birthday party. But, see, this question doesn't give you any context. Like, what kind of library is it? Is it a historical books library? Or is it like a creationist biblical library? And how are we defining party? I will say slightly agree. 14. I find making up stories easy. I'm actually pretty good at it, so I guess slightly agree. 15. I find myself drawn more strongly to people than to things. Do cats count as people or things? I don't want to consider my cat to be a thing, but it's also not a person. But I'm also way more drawn to cats than I am to people or things. But I guess I'm drawn to things more than people because things don't have the power to get you kicked out of school or anything really horrible that's happened to me. Number 16. I tend to have very strong interests which I get upset about if I can't pursue. Yeah, I mean I literally left middle school to go make a yearbook. 17. I enjoy social chit-chat. No, definitely no. Number 18. When I talk, it isn't always easy for others to get a word in edgeways. Edgewise? Not sure. Anyway, I do have a fairly slow way of speaking, so I think it's pretty easy for other people to interrupt me. Number 19. I am fascinated by numbers. Again, not fascinated by numbers, not fascinated by dates, rather fascinated by patterns. So I will say slightly disagree. Number 20. When I'm reading a story, I find it difficult to work out the character's intentions. Again, it depends on how the story is written. If it's written as third-person omniscient, which means third-person all-knowing, then I can generally put two and two together. 
But if it's written as like a, a first person account where there's a lot of hints and a lot of foreshadowing that's not very obvious, then I am not very good at that. Number 21, I don't particularly enjoy reading fiction. Yeah, that's true. I always wanted to read nonfiction as a kid, but the teachers would never let me. Number 22, I find it hard to make new friends. Again, are these friends neurotypical or autistic? Because I make autistic friends pretty easily. 23, I notice patterns in things all the time. Yes. Number 24, I would rather go to the theater than a museum. Okay, this statement does not give us any context on what kind of theater it is or what kind of museum it is. Generally, I would rather go to a museum as the museums tend to be more self-guided. They are able to allow you to take more breaks and you can kind of go at your own pace. Meanwhile, if you're in a theater, you kind of just have to sit there and you're never really sure when intermission's going to be. So I guess it depends on what kind it is for each, but I guess I would say museum. And I'm wondering what they expect autistic people to answer for that one, because we can have all different kinds of interests. I know that a lot of us really like math and science and the natural sciences, but I know a ton of autistic people who really like art and music and performance. So again, I'm not really sure what they're trying to get at with that statement. 25. It does not upset me if my daily routine is disturbed. Um, I do a lot better at it than I used to, but it still kind of upsets me. 26. I frequently find that I don't know how to keep a conversation going. Okay, now for this one, I guess I would amend it to say I don't know how to keep a conversation going appropriately. I can talk about many different things, and a lot of people would say that I am self-absorbed because often I will just turn the conversation into something that I want to talk about. So technically, I can keep a conversation going, but not in the way that the other person would be happy with. So I guess I would say that I don't know how to keep a conversation going. Number 27, I find it easy to read between the lines when someone is talking to me. Well, if I'm listening to them because they're talking to me, why would I be reading anything? So that one doesn't make sense to me. 28, I usually concentrate more on the whole picture rather than the small details. I mean, I think if this test has evidenced anything about me is that I'm way more concerned about the details. 29. I am not very good at remembering phone numbers. Oh, no. I can remember phone numbers if I make the effort to remember them, but I think for everybody, now that we all have smartphones, no one really makes the effort to do it. And oftentimes when I see a phone number, I can recognize the shape of it or the pattern of it. Number 30, I don't usually notice small changes in a situation or a person's appearance. Well, it depends. If I'm in a situation and I hear a new small tiny noise or I smell a tiny new smell, then I will notice it. But if it's about a person's appearance, like they cut their hair or they're wearing new shoes, then I probably won't notice. 
31. I know how to tell if someone listening to me is getting bored. No. <laughs> 32. I find it easy to do more than one thing at once. No. 33. When I talk on the phone, I'm not sure when it's my turn to speak. That is true. And wearing masks has been really hard because I can't tell if the person's lips are about to start moving. 34. I enjoy doing things spontaneously. Nope, never have, probably never will. 35. I am often the last to understand the point of a joke. Well, it depends on the joke. If it's a joke that requires a lot of academic knowledge to understand, then I'm pretty good at those. But if it's a joke that requires a lot of social context to understand, then I probably won't get it. 36. I find it easy to work out what someone is thinking or feeling just by looking at their face. No, I've never been able to do this. When we did an exercise about this for class, I failed miserably. 37. If there is an interruption, I can switch back to what I was doing very quickly. No, not really. 38. I am good at social chit-chat. No, never. I'm the kind of person who likes to get into deep conversations with people I hardly know, and people think that's weird. They're like, Lindy, that's weird. Stop doing that. 39. People often tell me that I keep going on and on about the same thing. Well, it's usually because those people think that it's rude to interrupt me, and they let me embarrass myself by going on and on about the same thing. And they expect that I'm somehow supposed to pick up on their faces, telling me to shut up, but I never do. 40. When I was young, I used to enjoy playing games involving pretending with other children. So when I was really young, I didn't pretend play with anything at all. Actually, when I first started to pretend play with my toy kitchen, my parents were so elated about it. And also, this question implies that other children wanted to play with me, which they usually never did. 41. I like to collect information about categories of things like types of cars, birds, trains, plants, etc. Yeah, I collect information about geography. And it serves no purpose whatsoever other than helping me win at Trivia Night. 42. I find it difficult to imagine what it would be like to be someone else. True. Very true. 43. I like to plan any activities I participate in carefully. Yes. I like to know when I am able to leave the event and how I am going to get home because I like to have control over when I want to leave. That is very important for me. 44. I enjoy social occasions. Well, are these social occasions with neurotypical people who aren't going to understand me, or are they with autistic people who are really cool? 45. I find it difficult to work out people's intentions. True. More people need to learn how to be blunt and honest, like me. 46. New situations make me anxious. Particularly, new situations in which I know nothing about the situation makes me anxious. 
I can deal better when I know something about it. Like, if I know that I'm going to an event, I'll try to go to the location of the event beforehand and sort of feel it out. 47. I enjoy meeting new people. I enjoy meeting new autistic people. But in terms of meeting new neurotypical people, it's hard for me to get the idea out of my head that they're going to turn against me like many people have in the past. Number 48. I am a good diplomat. I think I am pretty knowledgeable in what constitutes a logical fallacy, so I try not to use those. So I guess I would say that I'm a good diplomat. 49. Almost done here. I am not very good at remembering people's dates of birth. No, I'm pretty good at remembering that stuff. Also, fun fact, if you have someone's date of birth, you can usually find out where they live through the voter registration records. You didn't hear it from me, though. Number 50. Last one. I find it very easy to play games with children that involve pretending. Why would I be playing games with children at my age? That seems a bit odd, considering I'm 25. Anyway, probably not. Alrighty, let's submit this thing and see if it tells me I'm autistic. Okay, so it says a score of 32 or above indicates a high probability of an autistic spectrum disorder. My score was 44. So I got 12 points higher than the minimum threshold for autism. And then it says the AQ10 is an experimental short form of the AQ using 10 of the most statistically effective questions. A score of six or above indicates a high probability of autism spectrum disorder. And out of 10 points on that one, I scored 10 points. I'm super autistic. Okay, let's look at some of the other data on this. It says the average score for males with ASD out of the 1,779 people who took the test on this website is 34.4. The average score for females with ASD out of the 2,182 people who took this test was 36.3. And then the average score for male and female neurotypicals, which is a lot, um, probably over 20,000 combined, who took this test was 23.1. So I scored almost double the neurotypical. I think there was a lot that could be expanded upon with this test. Like, I didn't quite understand how it associated some people's interests with numbers and dates with an autism spectrum disorder when we can all be interested in different things. I also think that the statements didn't include a lot of context on whether the social situations were with other neurotypical people or other autistic people because generally the research nowadays has been finding that autistic people get along and are at much more ease with other autistic people. And so that could really skew the results one way. And this whole process didn't really answer the question of would a professional psychologist find me autistic? I think 
one of the most surefire ways to know if you're autistic is if you go online to take a test that will supposedly tell you if you're autistic and then you respond to all of the statements or questions with more questions about the context of that question or statement. So there you have it. The internet says that I am, in fact, autistic. And yes, this was sort of a filler episode.